0: Vi renderete conto che non esiste cibo più inebriante.
1: Beh, che succede? Perché piange la bambina?
0: Ragazzi, vi si smonta tutto. Il eh, timer non si fa più. Due giorni qua non ci deve essere più niente. Bisogna cominciare subito. Coraggio, al lavoro. Buttate. Welcome to Cinema Italia, a podcast dedicated to the world of Italian cinema, presented by me, John Blisdell. Welcome, everybody, to Cinema Italia. My name is John Bleasdale. I'm a writer and film critic. And today I'm joined by Jason Wood, who is a writer on film in many ways. He's been on uh, my sister podcast, Writers on Film. But today we're talking about Pasolini and Pasolini's, perhaps his most famous, certainly his most infamous film, Salah, or The 120 Days. Is Is that right? The 120 Days of Sodom and Gomorrah? 120 Days of Sodom. Of Sodom, yeah, Gomorrah, the, the the less the, the less attractive yeah. sister who's not yeah, ever more mentioned. More Sodom,
1: less Gomorrah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we're already there. This is a, a when you as soon as you said this. In fact, I was talking to somebody else and they said, "What films are you doing?" And I said, "Ah, well, I'm talking with Jason on Friday about Salot. And they went, "Oh, I was I knew somebody was going to pick that one straight away." Yeah. I just thought, yeah. so what's your, what's your relationship to this film?
1: It's one of those, my relationship with this film goes back quite a long, quite a long way. And I'll try and not make this too complex. When I was young and discovering cinema, I used to go to a venue in King's Cross called Scala, which I'm sure you've. Oh yeah. Yeah. Scala Cinema Club. And, and I'll give a plug because Jane Giles, the programmer there, has just made a brilliant documentary called Scala with three exclamation marks. And, and, and I, I used to go there and it was where I discovered films that you wouldn't see in the normal rep. Rep theatres in the in the eighties into the early nineties, London was a kind of paradise for cinephilia, and and you could literally pick up a timeout and just go around London seeing classic films. The Scala was where you would go to see films that weren't celebrated in the same way in the canon. It was where you go would go to see Pink Narcissus and um, John Waters films and you know experimental films by John Krish, etc., and kind of nineteen fifties Hollywood B movies. And of course, it was also famous for launching *Evil Dead* with Sam Raimi. But I particularly went there to discover Salo because um, I'd studied film and uh, at A-level, and Salo was one of those films. It was, it was a little bit like a *Clockwork Orange*, that it was very hard to see.
0: Uh, yeah, right. Um,
1: I remember *Clockwork Orange* circulating amongst my circle of friends on a, on a VHS, and, and you know, it, it literally wearing out with it being passed around and watched. And Salo was, was was similar. I mean, it was banned for many years. And it was a difficult film to see, and the Scala could show films that you you, you, you you couldn't see anywhere else. And and it was it was first to the Scala that I went to see Solo, and it's one of those films that was completely seared on my mind because I'd never seen anything like it. I'd read about it, and I'd tried to kind of gourd myself to 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 be shocked, but even in my wildest dreams or nightmares, I hadn't anticipated the visceral impact of a film like that. Um, and then for many years, I wasn't, and, I'm, and we'll come back to that, I'm sure, but for many years, I wasn't able to see it again. Um, once the Scala disappeared, the ability to see the film disappeared with it. And it wasn't until somebody that worked at the BFI, uh, uh, a guy called Eric Sargent, who at that time was running the the kind of, what well, was a DVD label then, It'd now be a Blu-ray label. He, he similarly had a, a, a kind of real connection to the film, and he, he did a restoration and a reissue. And I saw the film for the second time at the ICA cinema and it had lost none of its power to shock. I, I, You see films and you remember them and then you see them again and in some way they're diminished. And I think Solo is one of those few films. It's a bit like for me Cronenberg's Videodrome. It feels like a film of a philosophy. And it's a film that time can't really contain or curtail. And the second time I saw the film it had exactly the same impact. And it's one of those films that I actually, um, when I'm obsessed with a film, I tend to watch it voraciously. I once went through a period where I was watching Chris Pettit's on a daily basis. Um, Mm. And and I did a similar thing with Antonioni's The Passenger, which would have been my second choice for this podcast. But Salo is a film that I really kind of made sure that I don't over-imbibe. And it reminds me of a quote from Brian Eno, who was once asked what his final favourite record was. And he chose. I think it was the second LP from the Velvet Underground. And the journalist asked him, "Oh, you must have listened to it hundreds of times." He said, "No, I've only actually ever listened to it once, because I didn't want to forget that feeling of hearing it for the first time." Mm-hmm. And I have a similar reaction to to, to Solo. Um, every time I think I'm going to watch it again, and it doesn't that often appear on cinema screens. But I have in front of me my my BFI Blu-ray DVD from when it was reissued. The quote from Michael Haneke on the front, which you'll, if you'll permit me, I'll read you it. It says, um, the only film that has managed to show violence for exactly what it is. And I think it's very hard to disagree with that. So it's not a film I watch often, but it still feels very much kind of burned onto my retinas.
0: That relieves me that you don't watch it often. (laughs) I think... It would be, yeah. It, it's one of those films that, as you say, it's visceral and it makes me it makes me really question a lot of things about watching films and watching cinema and watching, specifically watching violence and and suffering mm. and why I'm doing it and why and what it, I mean. It to me it, it strikes me as a extreme like t- to be honest. Like all Pasolini films, a street, extremely moral film, even though it might not be the first idea that springs to mind when you think of it.
1: Yeah. And, it, and it's interesting as well. I, I, I think you said at the start, John, it's, it was his final film. And I think it also signalled a real change in style for him. You know, Antonioni, until that point, was probably best known for his you know gritty 60s films, you know, about um, pimps and, thieves
0: yep sorry pa- you mean pasolini sorry yeah you said antonioni but yeah you're still thinking of the, you're still thinking of the passenger <laughs> i'm
1: still thinking of the passenger which is a film that i do return to many times so this this film felt like a different um like a different style from the 60s films and a different style from the 70s trilogy of life the, the cameron and the canterbury tales and the arabian nights um you know and they seem like the work of a kind of baldy admittedly but life-affirming man salo doesn't 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 feel like that it doesn't feel like that at all you know it it, it it really feels like the final work of someone who did want to shock and he wanted to give someone um that uh, an incredibly visceral viewing experience um obviously it's a, it's based on it's it's based on on, on or the 120 days of sodden by the Marcus de um you know and that book is, is is a kind of opus of torture and and degradation, and of course you have to forgive my pronunciation. My Italian is not good. Solo a solo, you know, moves that to nineteen forty four fascist yeah. Italy. So it's a very political film. But but you're right. I mean, it's one of those films. I, I guess a little bit Peeping Tom is another film which I think does a similar thing. It, it's one of those films that makes you question why you're watching, and and there are many times in this film where you do literally want to want to look away. You know, mm. it, 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 it's 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 um these different circles. You know, you've got you've got the 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 the, the obsessions um, which face sodomy. You know, then you've got the circle of shit where people are forced to their own feces, and then you've got blood, which is perhaps the most violent sequence of the film, in which skulls are smashed and eyeballs are sliced, and victims are ritualist, ritualistically slaughtered. And I think it's one of those films that from the very first frame until the very last, you, you do feel. I mean, I earlier evoked, earlier evoked, um, you feel like Malcolm McDowell strapped in that chair with your, uh, with your eyeballs cries open. You know, there's nowhere to go. Once you're in solo, unless you turn it off, nowhere to go from it. Um, I don't think there are films that you can say do that. And I know there are a lot of people that despise Halo. You know, it's disgusting, mm. shocking, it is perverse. And, and, you know, the fact that it, and not only was it was it banned in some some areas it was um it was loathed and you can certainly understand why it would inspire that reaction but i think you know when you when you get to the heart of the philosophy of it and what he's trying to do i think it's an incredibly intelligent film if admittedly as we've both alluded to an unpleasant.
0: I mean, I can understand that reaction. I mean, there's obviously a reaction against Pasolini from the from the right and from the conservatives yes. who, who don't want to, you know, just a priori won't like him as a filmmaker because of his own positions, his own politics. And 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 there is also like the the casual viewer of which you know that there the won't exist a casual viewer of this film. The, the casual viewer will will walk out quite quite quickly. <laughs> I think. But yeah. th- there is an understandable sort of why are you putting me through this? You know what? You know I, what is your what is the point of you doing this to me? You need a point to do this to me. You can't just be shocking me for the sake of being shocking. And unlike some films of extreme uh, provocation, Salot doesn't strike me as a film which is trying to be provocative strangely i mean trying to be provocative for its own sake mm.
1: no i'd agree i mean it's in a in a very kind of dispassionate style which i think speaks to your point but i think but i think also you alluded to i think pasolini what he does why he shoots it he makes you complicit and mm. and, and this also it takes you back to the michael powell's people um allusion. you know he kind of makes you implicit in the voyeurism. And, yeah, I, you know, it is themed in a, it is in a very disparate way. And I think it goes back to what we were speaking about. I think what it does through that filming style is he does force you to confront the fact that you are, you are witnessing this kind of ritual slaughter of innocence. I think it is it's a film that has a very, very close connection to screen violence uh, uh, and, and a film which I think asks you to as a viewer, to talk about your connection to film violence and whether this violence that you see on screen is something that you're dispassionately watching unfold or whether you're in some way more complicit in it. I mean, it's a, it's a very, very... It's an incredibly radical work, and it remains a radical work. And and I think that, that, that also through the style and through the subject matter, I think the filmmaker is forcing you to also kind of engage with and confront the violence and reality of the world and i think you could you could argue that from from when the film was made the world has kind of continued on that on that course that the film kind of predicts thankfully we're not quite there yet but I don't think we're too far away.
0: That's really fascinating. I want to come back to the that idea of complicity as well. Let, let's let's sort of just maybe move through the the film a little bit, like especially if if people haven't haven't dared to watch it yet, so so they have a sense of the actual. I mean, I, I hesitate to say so, story because, like the Marquis de Sade's book. It's so There is such an element of formula uh, Sort of repetition And that it doesn't It does also sort of talk It does also indicate a kind of The, the boredom of torture as well That sort of the boredom of extremity You get to a certain point where We're repeating stuff But at the very beginning We have a group of wealthy men Four wealthy men um, uh, Representing uh, law in the magistrate uh, The president is kind of politics The duke is kind of the aristocrat aristocracy and the bishop as representative of course of the catholic church and they mm. are uh grouping these these young people together so there's a real generational thing going on here this is what we're going to do to the young people and uh they they sort of have a selection process and then they sort of lay down the rules and then the following days uh oh they select some soldiers as part as as uh who are going to stand apart and are going to be um uh, are going to help facilitate they're going to be the police in this in this scenario and then you have a series of stories that they tell and of of trials that the young people go through which include the worst degradation and pain and suffering you can imagine just as you're imagining oh it can't be much worse than this it it gets worse yes and, and yeah, I think I, I mean and the, as you mentioned earlier, the sections are sort of to some degree inspired by Dante and the circles of hell as you as you alluded to. but yeah, I think that, I think that, that will give you and of course this being the last day of Salo Salo is the fascist Republic, the rump Republic that Mussolini continued to to be the nominal dictator of while obviously it was controlled and defended by the the Nazis the german soldiers uh following the allied invasion of mainland italy so that's i think that, that that to give you an idea of the context so this is their sort of last hurrah as they you know they 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 exercise their complete freedom through violence and suffering
1: that's correct and it, and it, you know it obviously has very strong kind of re- re- religious overtones as well I think and I think the, the other thing that we should and you've done a, a beautiful summation I'm not sure John that after this podcast people are going to rush out to us <laughs> it's, not, it's not the kind of film that you sell into people you, 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 uh, and it would be interesting if people do watch it after, after listening to this if, if they feel the same sense of kind of shock and revulsion and I think a little bit of awe, you know. I always like to imagine myself as a spectator, seeing something like this for the for the first for the first time. And 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 I would also say that you know the the, the, the phrase shocking. I mean, I, I'm interested in this kind of film. You know, when when I when I was kind of really getting into cinema in the 80s, I was interested in the kind of canon, you know, the established canon. Mm. But I was also interested in, and I and I don't say this with any sense of condescension or, or criticism in kind of trashy films and and, and B-movies and, you know, the films of Fulci and Ruggiero Diodato. You know, I, I like the kind of scuzzy end of the spectrum and Mondo Macabre. I mean, th- these were all things that, that, that really began to exert a bit of a fascination with me, but with all the things I've seen, and And I've seen to to not paraphrase Ruth Gahart, I've seen some I've seen some things you wouldn't believe. I still haven't seen anything like Salo. I, yeah, I really don't think I can think of a a comparative. and and I think that that is what gives it its kind of uniqueness. And, and the other thing I was going to say about Salo, because, as I said, you you describe it also perfectly, given that it was the director's last film, there is that kind of connection as well between the violent death that, of course, that Pasolini Pasolini died. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and throughout his his life, that there was an interest in Pasolini in, in his personal life, in in the kind of underbelly, if you like. And, and and I think the the death, which obviously you probably know more about than me, but very suspicious circumstances, um, possibly involved, you know, possibly with state in, in, in involvement. I think that also, in some ways, contributes to 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 the legacy. The legacy of the film but mm. but but on the on the subject of shock and awe um and i know i had that just because i in front of me i had the Hanukkah quote that I, I did find an interesting quote from um the, the director that he gave in an in, a, in, a, in, a, in an interview to a french publication before the before the film was released because i, I think he done i think he'd anticipated you know he he'd anticipated the 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 controversy. Um, and, it, and he did want to talk about the aesthetic principle behind the behind the film, and, and Pasolini said, and I haven't got the source material, I just know it was to a French television um, production, he said, I, I believe to give scandal is a duty, to be scandalised a pleasure, and to refuse to be scandalised is moralism. Um, so, he, you know, I think he was very aware of what he was doing with this film, and I think he was very aware of the philosophy behind it, but it's hard to imagine a uh, you know, few other filmmakers being so committed to 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 that idea of the connection between scandalization and and mor- mor- morality. And you know, even John, even when you you speak about some of the pain and suffering, some of some of the images are actually kind of slowly flooding back, and it's painful. You know, it's mm. it's just like a a kind of painful memory that in some ways you wish to blot out. I mean so Salo is not a film that in any way you can kind of revel in the memories of and and return to it as a source of pleasure. It's it's almost something that you see and you want to move on from, which again, you know, I I think that's what gives it its kind of uniqueness. I I don't think there are too many other films that you could make the same claim of.
0: It's not a quote you necessarily want to put on the poster, but it is no. it is sort of like uh, you'll need a shower. You know, you'll, this is a film that will make you feel very dirty. I mean, I think this comes as well. It's interesting that you talk about that sort of scuzzy end of the of the sort of genre cinema that's coming out of Italy at the moment. And there's kind of I, I'm I'm not sure when the Nazi exploitation trend begins, but it it must be a roundabout here that you start getting. Uh, the sort of um you know she wolf of the ss kind oh. of film coming out. And this film sort of is thematically there. Uh, but but whereas those films kind of are reveling in in the the that sort of stuff, I mean, I, I even hesitate to say that because I think even those films are really difficult to watch. They're not um they're,
1: they're difficult to watch. But and I think you're right, the idea of reveling, I think I think there are certain films that are perhaps you know, they're aware of their subversiveness but they're not aware of their political radicalism and i think maybe what sets Salo apart is i think it very much is and and, and i think that pasolini is presenting these images knowing that they're unpleasant and degrading and um and, and immoral and, and almost um you know it's a depiction of of of, of suffering which is at times un, 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 unbearable but but I think he's not serving it up for 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 pleasure or for titillation. You know, I think this this is a film which assiduously avoids that. I mean, you can't account for human nature. There may be some people that would watch this film and take titillation from it, but but I certainly don't think that that was in any way Pasolini's intention. And and I think he's also saying that these things have happened, these things are happening and that these things will continue to 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 happen and and i think in that he is he is right i mean i i think that in many ways this film is a perfect depiction of humankind's capacity for for hatred and for horror and you know you you, you mentioned the kind of um films like um you know we described as the scuzzier the scuzzier end and and you know, and this film is almost torn from the pages of history because it's showing you things that at some stage would have happened, um, uh, 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 and I think that, that that's what makes it so. I mean, it's not an entertainment. I mean, when you watch some other films, you know, and and the the, the Nazi she wolves is is one. You know, you, you could describe that in some way as a as, as a kind of entertainment. Some of those kind of um, grind cycle films that Tarantino's so ob- obsessed with you could not describe this as an entertainment in 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 any way you know it's almost like a a quite a quite rigorous marxist text uh, you know it, it, i guess there'd be comparisons with some of uh, some of godard's work and, and you know and i mentioned earlier it's a film that once you're in there you, you kind of almost want to get out and mm. you can't unless you turn it off and and i think turning it off is 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 kind of almost what Pasolini is inciting you to to do, but it, it becomes impossible to look away from. I think.
0: That, I mean, I think that's interesting. The way you used that Hanukkah quote right at the beginning was, uh, you know, Hanukkah famously said, you know, if you if you walk out of my films, then you don't need them. You're you're, you're healthy, and I kind of, in a sense, yeah, Pas- Pas- yeah. Pasolini has that similar relationship. It's like you good you're disgusted good you know that's
1: a perfect comparison and and i think that you know john walters again you know he said you know john walters famously said that if someone threw up in my films he would take that as the greatest the greatest accolade uh which kind of goes against the the notion of titillation that we were discussing but i think you know you, i mentioned the hanukkah quote and you've mentioned hanukkah i think hanukkah is not a bad comparison for this for this film because of that level of di- dispassionate detachment
0: mm, and confrontation
1: yes very much and um yeah and 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 it's that that kind of presentation of something that you know it's presented and, and 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 then you kind of have to deal with the you have to deal with the consequences and it's it's interesting the other thing that I find interesting with um with Solo is it solo is a film that is as I said it isn't actually You know, it's widely available now you can buy it I'm not giving a plug but it is still available through BFI blu-ray you can see it it's harder to see on a cinema screen and 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 I'm working on something that will bring it back. The Prince Charles screened it recently, and a Mm. a kind of friend of mine, who you may know, Paul Reed, who works at pictures, he went, and he described described the reaction to the film. And there was obviously people there that were seeing it for the first time.
0: Mm.
1: And he described this kind of shocked silence after the film. You know, there are some films that that you talk about with your colleagues and your friends, and you, you kind of talk them up as being shocking. And when you show them the film, they're rarely they're rarely shocked. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling to think of an of an apt example I would give, but that you know they're they rarely shocked in the way that you would hope them to be. I mean, I think if you showed someone *Cannibal Holocaust* or *Cannibal Ferox*, now I I, I think because of the way that making films has evolved and special effects have evolved, you know, for me they're still great films. But I think if you showed them to a younger audience member, I think that feeling of shock would would not be there because some of the things that you see in those films are widely available widely available in more mainstream films, I still don't think that's the case with with, with this film with Solo. I, I still don't think that you would see some of the things that you see here anywhere else. I mean, we've spoken about the the kind of dispassionate nature of it and the kind of detachment, but there is also a kind of really brutal realism to it. You know, I I don't think we need to avoid spoilers, but you know, with the um with the I mean, let's just go there with the shitty,
0: yeah. You know,
1: it really does look like they are eating human shit. You know, when you have eyes being sliced and tongues being sliced, this is not something which has been done. You know, which looks obviously inauthentic. It looks very real. The violence looks very real. The sodomy looks very real. The suffering looks very real. That there's a there's an authenticity to this film, which again contributes to that idea that that at times it's unbearable.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because I want to link it to something you said earlier, which was what you were talking about. You know. Um, some people might find this titillating. Some people might get off on it, and that's included in the film. You've got four people who are getting off on it. They're not doing it because they're not doing it for any other end than because they enjoy it. And even, and that's the magistrate, the bishop, the the, yes. the, the duke, and the, mm. um, and the other one, the lawyer, the judge. Yeah. Um, they they're really into it. I mean, they don't mind um, themselves being, you know. Uh, uh, being sodomized, if 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 need be, but more potently and more obviously, um, the one of the 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 guys that they're, they're eating shit. They're not just forcing other people to eat shit. They enjoy it themselves. This is part of their own perversion and their own. Um... So if you like this film, if you're watching this film uh, and you're finding it entertaining and you're enjoying it, well look at the guys in the background that's you you're a yeah. fascist you're a They're fascist sadist yeah. and yeah. and you're included so whereas other films you get the feeling of like um you're not necessarily included if you if you get off on i don't know a rape scene in a film your your voyeurism isn't necessarily going to be criticized by i don't know irreversible for instance yeah. yeah um but in this film if you get off on it Fine, you get off in it. That's a possibility because it, it, that's you're part of what is being depicted.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think I think um, is quite clear about that. I mean, I, I think he 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 is, you know, questioning the notion of, of voyeurism, and it, and, it, and it he is kind of taking you to places where you don't necessarily want to be taken. You know, and and again, I think that the the radical nature of the film. Remains undimmed. And I think also the political power of the film, you know, you, you, you've, you've mentioned all the, all the people that, that are, that are committing these, these acts and they're all people that hold positions of great power, you know, um, in, in terms of the state and they're able to exercise these, um the, these kind of vi- violent, violent and, and, and sexual peccadillos because they hold power. And I think that this is, you know, I, I think we've, we've already mentioned this. I think this is a brilliant film about the corrupting nature of power and what it what it what it does to to people on a kind of individual and a and a and a collective a collective level. I mean, th- there are also moments in this film. You know, sometimes you can watch something which which is kind of so shocking, but there are also there are moments which um, uh, almost feel like very very brief diversions into something else. I'm thinking in the sequence where that that these four people in positions of power kind of do a dance and they start mm-hmm. linking arms and, and and doing a kind of a frolic and again that's one of the other incredible shocking moments because they they're literally surrounded by the the detritus of, of 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 their of their their torture and their callousness and and, and amidst, amidst them all they they they're dancing so even in in even in the moments of the film that are not directly connected to the violence the, the, there's a kind of shock and awe to them. Be interesting to know, you know. I, I did try and do some, re, you know, filmmakers that have been influenced um, by this film. I mean, obviously, obviously, um, Annika, as, as as you mentioned, but it but it's not one that I I can recall being regularly cited in any way as a major influence. And it and it's a film that still feels, um, and I'm sure people will. Vehemently disagree, but it still films feels like a film which is uh, in, in some ways in the shadows, you know. It, it, it which is odd because it is widely available. You, you, you can go out and buy it and rent it. You can, I think you can stream it as well. I think it's on several streaming platforms. You can you can book the film and screen it in a in a in a in a in a cinema BFI has distribution rights. But for some reason, people don't. It, it's almost like people are making a, a, a conscious decision. You know, mm, I'm not sure. I wanna I wanna go. I want to go there, which I think says a lot about the film again.
0: I I wonder as well, talking about people being influenced or not, not citing it as an influence is if it's got it's, you know, reputational damage could be caused by somebody, you know, uh, coming out. uh, You know, Nicholas Winding Refn will quite happily, you know, talk about Dario Argento and Giorgio Romero and, uh, uh, you know, do some brilliant work in, in pulling out maybe some lesser known filmmakers as well. And then, but 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 something like this would be a little bit too, you know, I can't imagine this having a Tarantino Presents release.
1: No, uh, because I think once you're seen to advocate, I, I mean, it's also one of these things, it, it's the danger if people get a whiff of the film without having seen it, you know, this if you advocate this film to somebody that hasn't seen it and they become a kind of acolyte of the film without seeing it, it's, it can be quite a dangerous one to advo- advocate for, um, I think. But it's, there are, I mean, it, interestingly, John, as we came on air, one of my colleagues at the BFI was listening to a podcast where Edgar Wright was talking about this film, which I think <laughs> is very funny given, you know, the kind of kismet synchronicity of it, given that we were about to speak about it. So, you know, it, it kind of is out there amongst people. But but I also think, I mean, as an example, I use this film quite often as a as a, as a kind of comic shorthand amongst friends and colleagues in the industry, you know, it's become a it became a bit of a running joke that if someone asked me to pick a, a film, I would always say Salo. No matter what the occasion, you know, somebody that curates and screens film, somebody might say, Oh, we, we need we need a film for 15 to 25 year olds, and I'd say Salo without thinking about it. And, and and I think it's almost like a reflex action because I, I can't think of anything like Salo, or I can't think of anything that does what this film does. I mean, it it almost is like the full stop at the end of the sentence. I mean, I I, I just y- you can make comparisons, but I don't really think there is another there is another silo. I think it is genuinely unique. Was it in your top ten? That's a wonderful. I mean, the thing the thing that I tried to do with my top ten, and you could call it tactical voting, is is I try to um, spread the votes far and wide. I think in the end, and I'd have to, and I and I would have to. I would have to double check this. I think it was in my top 10. And, and it was interesting. I was reading um, in the sight and sound we were discussing before, you know, before you hit the record button, Paul Schrader, um, you know, who, who's, the film is probably most associated with as a reference point is Pickpocket, And he realized that every time he was doing the sight and sound poll and he, and he was picking his, um, his 10 films, he was, he was picking diary of a country priest for the kind of, aesthetic religious aspect of it and he kind of said you know i can't I, I i can't keep talking about pickpocket and um and not include it so he did include it but i think i actually i found the list and no i didn't actually include i didn't include the, the film and it, you know doing that top 10 list and i know that you did it it's one of those things that as soon as you do it it's what do you leave out what what what's the value of something that you include instead of it you know if you're saying probably you're the same if we were to Say now, what's your top ten? We'd probably come up with different with, with a different top ten to what we came oh, absolutely. up absolutely, absolutely previously. Um, but but it's certainly the film that that um, you know I, I gave you that Eno quote. It's certainly the film that is is the one that remains foremost in my in my memory, which, which is why I can't bring myself to watch it too many times. It's, it's like almost like having um, a photograph of someone that you you once loved that you you can't bring yourself to. to to keep looking at because of the memories it evokes, and I th- I think that this film is a bit is a bit like the um the kind of MacGuffin in Kiss Me, Dudley, What's in the suitcase? So I think w- once you open that suitcase with this film, you, you don't you don't close it.
0: I I love what you said about it being the the full stop at the end of the sentence, because it it is that proof that, you know, there's a truism that, you know, extreme cinema, you push it so far and then the next generation pushes it further. And what seems shocking in one period is, is tame in another. But there are limits to extremity. You know, you push so far and that's it. You've hit it. You know, you've got it. And this film does feel, as you said, like that full stop. It's like that. Why would you go further than this? This is about as, this is as far as you can go.
1: Yeah. And, and again, I think I think we might have mentioned this at the start. You know, we spoke about Cronenberg's Videodrome, And I think that's such a powerful radical when it was described as having a philosophy. And And, and I think. Pasolini's film is the same, and, and I think extremity for the sake of extremity, the philosophy behind that is just to shock and to provoke outrage or titillation, whatever. But I think when you have a philosophy which is questioning power and abuses of power, I I think that's a very very powerful thing to have, and I, and I think you can be you can be you can be shocked by 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 this film. Of course you can, but I don't think that you can really just watch this. For the extremity, I think you watch it and you do find yourself becoming be, becoming wound up in in the kind of philosophy and the radicalism of it, and and the and the pure subversive subversiveness. And um, you know, it's again, it's a film that I associate with a particular point in in my life. And seeing it for the first time on the big screen at the Scala, which was a, just a, this kind of palace of cinema. And and again, it also represents for me, John, the, the idea that cinema doesn't have to be one thing you know this is a kind of european film and you you expect a kind of intellectual rigor and it has that but it also has that that kind of that element of 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 shock and and the power of the visual image to 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 upset and and cause a kind of complete recalibration you know it it has so many it has so many elements and and also it is it was it was one of the first 18 i mean i would have seen this film when i wasn't 18 and it would have been one of, you know, the first time I was aware of some of these, some of these acts from some of the other films that I'd seen, but I hadn't seen them depicted on screen before. You know, I mentioned the word earlier of that element of authenticity and, and reality. This wasn't something that was happening and you thought, oh, that only happens to someone else. This is obviously mythic or this is obviously make-believe. This isn't reality. This very much feels like reality and, and there isn't any closing the door on it.
0: Uh, did you feel ill watching the film? Because I, I I've watched it twice and and. Both t- and the second time I thought, well, I've watched it one. This time, th- this time, as you said, you know, you said right at the beginning, this time I'll be a little bit nerd to it. I won't be shocked by it or surprised, at least by it. And the second time, I, you know, there's a moment where uh, I honestly, it, it, I felt sick to my stomach. You know,
1: that's a completely under. I mean, I, I have quite a strong constitution. I think the only, the only image in cinema that I, I have to look away from. Is the image in Dali Bunwell's and Shian and Underloo of the slicing of the? Mm. It looks like a human eye, but as we know, it's a cow's eye. Mm. That that's the only moment in cinema that I'm not able to look at. Mm. Um, I can't say the same about about Salo, which, which maybe says something about about me. I mean, you know with certain forbidden images that that there, there there is this. You know, it's almost like when you witness an accident. There's an inability to look away, how much you want to. And I find that I find that with this film, I, I'm, I'm I'm unable to to look away, and I'm held kind of mesmerized by the, the depravity and degradation. But with something like in Shian Andalou, uh, I, I am sickened, and I do have to avert avert my gaze. And, and I also think that averting the gaze, um, that there's nothing wrong with that. You know that I, I don't adhere to this idea that if if you if you kind of look away from an image an image which is upsetting. You're in some way kind of failing the filmmaker, or or you're in some way showing fallibility or weakness. You know, yeah. life is full of so much suffering and displeasure. If something is causing you suffering, displeasure, and you can choose to not be um, subjected to that, then stop it. Um, but no, I I I don't find myself sickened by the film. I find myself sickened um, by the accent. And I find myself sickened by the um, by the abuses of of of, of power. Um, but but I think I also feel that with this film, I don't think it's an an inaccurate depiction of some of the ways power has been abused throughout Western civilization. I mean, without wishing to go too political, you know, you mentioned fascism. But e- even if you look at the photographs which emerged recently from Abu Ghraib and the abuses of of prisoners. You know the, the sequences that 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 we that we witness. These are not fantasy. Um, the, the, the these are not images that have no relation correlation to reality. The, these are things that happen and possibly worse. And it just show it. You know, it kind of shows that no 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 matter what your worst imaginings are, there's always worse. But but uh, but I do feel that there isn't much worse than what we see in Salo. It's interesting, you know, you mentioned Argento and 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 you know, I know we've both spoken about the fact that that um you know, we've got this season on the BFI South Bank and and you look at the films of Argento and and there, when when I when I watched Suspiria for the first time, you know, that film was what 77, 76. I remember thinking that was the most frightening thing I'd ever uh, had ever seen. When I watched that film now, I still love it, but it doesn't feel it doesn't shock shock me at, at all. You know, you can kind of see the drawings, you can see and that and that's not that's not in any way to downplay the significance of that of that film. But time marches on, as we said, and, and, and special effects and the way that things are done and and changes. I, I think that Cello that just stands apart from, from that. I think it, it will be forever timeless.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I d I wanna go back with you a little bit with the politics because I think that's a brilliant point you made. And of course, you know, those those photographs, people were covered in shit. People were yep. being tortured and being sexually humiliated and being sodomized. And the American soldiers who were committing those acts were grinning at the uh, and putting their thumbs up. And and so so I absolutely take that point, and I think that's, that's one that's be- worth repeating. I'd just like to put the film a little bit in context as well to show that I think this also is an argument against the film being sort of gratuitous or in some way... This is me- this is released in the set late 70s, 76, I think, this film as well, saying yes. yeah. Suspiria, You're and, and Pasolini is living and has grown up in an Italy in which uh the fascists, you know, the fascists don't leave Salon and all go to prison. Um, you know, ninety-seven percent of the police officials who were police officials during the fascist regime were still police officials in the fifties and sixties. You know they they the police was the same police from the beginning of the war uh to the end of the war and after there wasn't a process of denazification the way there was in germany not to the same degree not to the same extent so when he's making films in the 70s in Italy you still have you have this moral fear of the youth you know the the hippies the 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 1968 generation the attempts to put the students and the workers together in the Fiat factories and and create a revolutionary uh hope these people were being condemned nightly on television by 60 50 60 year olds who themselves had you know a fascist past and I think that that is what is behind a lot of the rage in this film which i i agree with you is totally dispassionate it is the 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 actual way the camera moves and everything this could be a costume drama it Mm. could be you know it's it's tableaus it's it's still lifes it's not uh it's not sort of it's not clockwork orange doing loads of funky things with the camera and the point of view and everything so i think pasolini is is very much sort of holding up a mirror to the older part of society. and He's saying, you think the youth today are deprived and amoral and immoral and they have all these problems, but look what you fucking did to them and yeah. look and look what you would do tomorrow if you had the chance so i think that's where his rage is and just very quickly i'm sorry going on a little bit but the uh in terms of his death of course this wasn't an intentionally his final film he he wanted to carry on making films but he was murdered um yes. uh and he was uh, um the police had this idea that he was murdered in a sort of a, a sexual assignation that went wrong yes. with a sex worker, um, and he, you know, he used sex workers. He was a, uh, you know, he was a gay man in Italy in the nineteen sixties and seventies when that was a, a, a extremely difficult thing to be. He was a public figure, um, but there is, at the very least, the police did not investigate particularly well. And at the very worst, there could easily have been collusion at the highest state levels because there was certainly more than one murderer, and his body was uh, was brutalized so and and there were and there are fascists, and there were fascists, and we have fascists today who would like that history all to be forgotten and for us to you know think of it as very relative that you know the fascists had their point and the partisans had their point and let's all get over it and move on but
1: um i think that's a really interesting point i think it's also a really interesting point about the fact that the perpetrators are not punished i mean one of the things that people like about some of the kind of classic horror films is they 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 present a, a monster or a monstrous situation but then the equilibrium is restored at the end with the 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 death of 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 the monster and this film refuses to, to do that. And I think this is what also makes it feel so current. I mean, if you look at the um I mean, I didn't think we'd live for a time where you would have a, a a a UK government that would so um brazenly lie and collude and cheat and um pull the wool over the eyes of the, the public and basically fill their own their own pockets whilst in power. And there aren't any repercussions to that. They just go on enjoying their power and their privilege and, and their political position. And, 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 and I think that we've almost become, which is a worrying thing, we've almost become kind of sedated to the fact that that perhaps is how life operates. Um, you know, you you, you you can commit heinous acts and you can go unpunished and you can go on committing them. And, and flourishing you know th- there isn't this idea anymore that you get caught out and your career ends that you know that does not that does not happen uh, and I think that that's a point that this this film also makes
0: absolutely I mean I remember just to go back a little bit to the Abu Ghraib atrocities that you the the abuse human rights abuses and torture that took place in the prison the uh, one of the women who were featured in the photograph, uh, I remember reading sort of like a profile piece on her, which was kind of, kind of saying, oh, was she a bit, you know, um, uh, you know, she she was at the bottom of a hierarchy, and as a woman, she was much more condemned than the men, and the this and the that and the other salient points to some degree, but Mm. also kind of like, is this how far the Overton window has been pushed that we're thinking you know i mean i was listening to a brilliant audiobook by alan partridge and he was ref- referring to Handmaid's tale and his review was it's a bit one sided <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. is that where we are where we're watching Salot and going yeah but i mean you know <laughs> let's let's look at it from their point of view i mean that that's that feels that's why this film feels relevant to today and not just like a historical sort of uh moment
1: yeah i as i said you know i think there is this idea of timelessness about it and um you know when i was teaching i always wanted to show it to students and i never did and i regret it because there there is there, there is this sense that um you kind of question well what what am i unleashing mm. you know what what's it going to do once because as i said you know, once you've seen this, you, 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 can't unsee it. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I think, I think, I think it does present something of a, of a, of a, of a quandary. And, you know, I've recommended this film to one or two people and, you know, and we've had, and I've recommended it in in, in line with some of the, the the conversation we've had and kind of warned them and nobody I've recommended it to has come back and Kind of said, oh no, you oversold it. I didn't think it was that. Everyone is kind of stunned into silence oh. by it, and it, and it would be difficult to. Um, I think it would be quite difficult to imagine any other re- reaction. Mm. Um, you know, because the the, the, the acts that the that the film is depicting, you, you might you might think, oh, this is the worst thing I can imagine. But then, as we've discussed, yet the, 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 there are a there is always worse. Mm. And if there's worse than what's shown in Solo, you have to kind of, and and there is because we've seen it, you have to wonder at what stage humanity and civilization is at. I mean, it's it's almost like you could almost use this film as a warning sign, you know, of of where, of of not not where we're heading, but where we've actually arrived at. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's another thing which makes it incredibly um, potent. Mm
0: -hmm absolutely absolutely and i i mean i've been to Salo, the actual town which is on lake wow. Gar- which is on lake garda and is um you know we were there for uh we were staying in a hotel for my birthday it's not far from here it's like an hour an hour and a half maybe Are you in rome no no i'm in uh, i'm in veneto so i'm sort of okay. near, near venice but just where the mountains begin about an hour away from venice and
1: Beautiful. I always see I always see photographs that you post, and I always feel that slight pang of envy, John. Yeah,
0: I I, I'm I'm definitely hated because. Yeah, of please
1: that. don't post them because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, it's one. I mean, I I I always, I mean, I know, I know people. Again, you know, I mentioned being obsessed with radio, and I know people that do kind of um, personal odysseys to all the, um, the 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 buildings and the landscapes depicted in that film. I, I I'm not sure. I mean, it's like that, the, the Me and Hansen love film with with Tim Roth and Vicky Krieps, where they go mm. to
0: Bergman's Island, yeah,
1: yeah, and they go on the the Bergman Safari, as they call it. I, I'm not sure that this that solo is ever going to kind of encourage visits. But th- then again, you know, uh, we we talk about recent horrific incidents. There was those pictures on Twitter of of tourists visiting Auschwitz and posing for for photographs in a in a kind of carefree. Manner, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound too pessimistic, but, 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 but I, I do think that this film shows you the very worst of humanity, but it actually doesn't because I think he, there is always a worse side, and, and I think, I think that some of those photographs, as I said, that Auschwitz kind of show where humanity has sunk to. So it's not the most cheery podcast people are going to listen to, John. This one.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's not supposed to be. And I, I was—I wanted to ask you actually, as a curator of and and someone who who might well be programming this in the in the future.
1: There are plans to actually, yes, yeah.
0: Would you ever consider sort of the context in? Well, I mean, I'm sure you do. The the context in which people are going to watch this and then come out of the cinema. So in, in that sense you know, would it be the sort of film you would think we really need to have a discussion or even some counsellors standing by to, to, to or, or, you know, I mean, in, we're living in a world of trigger warnings and I don't want to be dismissive of that. It mm. would be, this would be exactly the sort of film that I would say to people, look, if you're not up to it, that, fine, you know, because I think there is that thing about extreme sort of Mondocani cinema of like there's a sort of machismo about you know oh, I watched that
1: yeah, yeah. piece yeah.
0: of piece of piss no, no yeah. worries and it, yeah. I I was eating my chips while I was watching yeah. you know I this is not that film and and I don't I don't even even those films it's not much the machismo is stupid anyway so don't apply it to cinema watching. And the same, you know, I, I don't know. Is it, would, would you want to put something in the foyer or would you want to?
1: I think we would. I mean, at, at the BFO, you have to be very responsible about what we show. I mean, a lot of it is around kind of contested history. You know, when you show something in the 70s and some of the, the, the politics and the language has changed. But 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 I think with this film, and sometimes we just do it through the, the words that we use to describe it, you know, you, you would not want people to go and see this film without knowing what they're in for. You know, equally, you don't want to feel like you're a huckster selling them an experience, which, which does appeal to that machismo element. But but I think you have to be very honest with people about what they're going into into see. And, you know, I don't want to over inflate this point because it, it, this is not an unknown film. By any stretch of it. You know, there, there may be cinephiles or academics listening to this and thinking, well, why do they keep talking about it? I, I know it, it, you know i i would still argue that this is this is not a necessarily it's a known film but I, i'm not sure it's a widely seen film because it, it isn't as i said it's widely available which is different but but it isn't one which is constantly screened I mean, when, when the prince charles screened it recently and i think they screened it twice it it it, it was an event because it, it it hadn't been screened before so i, I think that the film does have that element to it but yeah we, we'd have to take a responsible position and and you know, warn people about some of the images that they're that they're going to see. Um, you know, we're hoping to screen it as part of a forthcoming season around films around uh, uh, connected to the Scala, uh, and you know, and it and it and it would fit in very well because you know, what a cinema like that did it, it gave you a kind of cinema education, but it also gave you an education in 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 politics and ethics and and philosophy, and I think that's one of the roles that that cinemas and Arts institutions in general can 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 play, but yeah, I mean it it it, it remains a, a a a complex and and difficult film. But I would argue it, it remains a complex and difficult film for some of the right reasons.
0: Mm, I I totally agree. I think it's a, a sort of ethical test to destruction of the idea of witnessing. You know, you, you when does witnessing become voyeurism? When does Absolutely. you know when do you when when should you look away? how how far do you need to be disgusted by evil uh, before, you know, before it's too much, and before evil. you it contaminates you.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think that's perfectly put.
0: I want you to come back and talk to me about The Passenger, though.
1: <laughs> I'd love to. I mean, that is a film I am obsessed with that, um, I mean, I'm looking at the poster on my wall. I mean, that, that is one that, that um, I mean, that for me, that film, it, 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 it you know, it's written by, um, or co-written by Peter Wallen, who, who is someone that I, that I admire. And I think that's a film that kind of deconstructs the European road movie thriller in just such a brilliant way. Uh, but it, it's also one of my great um, desires sometimes to escape my own life, and become someone else. I mean, it's the kind of um, Reginald Perrin syndrome, isn't it? It's the, the need to, to walk away from life and become, become something else. It's also got my favourite line in cinema, where they're driving in the car and Maria Schrader says to um, says to the to character played by Jack Nicholson, um, what is it that you're running away from? And he says, turn turn, turn around and look behind you. And then the camera, sw- and you just see the shot of the car driving away into the future. You know, he's running away from everything. It's, um, I think it's the perfect film in many ways. And people think about the passages just for the ending, but there are many other, remarkable sequences um in the film and i think it has that that perfect element of um fatalism um, and escapism which I, i don't know i just find so appealing i think there's an element in the patricia highsmith adaptations like the american friend as well no i mean the passenger is a film that i do frequently show when i was teaching i would show to i would show to people and it's also somebody somebody the other day and i didn't agree described the passengers having dated badly, I don't agree at all. I think it's almost. Um, I think it remains an incredibly modern, postmodern film. Even um, I could, I you know, when we finish this, I could go and watch it quite happily. I, I, I'm, I'm just,
0: I was just thinking, you're absolutely selling it to me because I've seen it. I've got it on DVD downstairs, and I want to go watch it now.
1: Yeah, and it's got you know, it's got great performances. You know, like um, Ian Hendry and Stephen Burkoff in quite small roles, and Jenny Ranaker. But but it's it's. You know, and the sound you know put, I'm, I'm really interested in sound design of that of that of that film because I won't spoil the ending in case people are listening that haven't seen it but you know the ending is described as 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 being quite opaque but it's actually you know you've mentioned Hanukkah earlier you know there, there's a clue at the end of hidden as to what's happened and there's a similar clue at the end of the passenger or just before the end of passenger as to what's happened but it's not something that you see it's something that you hear. And even when you hear it, it's partly masked by the sound of a um either a car exhaust or a motorbike exhaust. But if you listen carefully, you hear a gunshot. And um, and I think that's that's something that, that Antonioni was so good at and he, he does similar in, in in blow up, is that kind of slow reveal where where a gradual accumulation of the senses brings you to a point of realisation as to what, what's happened.
0: I think he's our best existentialist thriller director. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It reminds me as well of Dashiell Hammett. There's a a story that isn't included in the John Huston Maltese Falcon uh, where um, Sam Spade recounts about a man who who went missing and he had to go and find him. And he found him after like three years. And this guy had moved to another city and changed his life. And he was married with kids, different wife, different kids. And he was like what happened. And he tells him the story that he was walking down a street in New York and a girder fell from a skyscraper and, and crashed into the pavement in front of him. And and he, just for a whisker, he, he survived this near fatal accident. And he thought, that's it. I, I could die at any minute. I'm getting on the first train and I'm just living free and I'm gonna do this. And Sam Spade says, yeah, but you know, you just went to another city and you got married and you're, you're living exactly the same life just with yeah. different people. And he said, yeah, but um no other girders felt.
1: But you know we all desire that sense of escape, you know, all the kind of responsibilities and pressures that we have. There's that idea of just going out and becoming somebody else and that, that still remains um, that still remains incredibly appealing. To me. Yeah, let's do the passenger. Next one, let's do the passenger. I'm sorry.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much, Jason. It's been a real no, John, pleasure. It's talking it's to
1: you. a pleasure. And and um, you know, you you had me on for the the writers on film and uh it's 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 always great to talk to you because um you know your stuff and your passionate and wide ranging interests. So it's always a pleasure to do it. So any, anything else that you'd like me to do, just you just say it and I'll I'll be there.